Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, welcome. Thanks for being here. This is Better Than Yesterday. Having conversations that make it better since 2013. Something you hear on this show and every single show will do just that. Does what it says on the box. We're here to make it better than yesterday. My name is Osha Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster, a TV host. I'm an author. I'm uh, staying up way too late because I'm trying to pack up a, an apartment. <laughs> I'm moving back from Melbourne to Sydney. But I'm grateful to be here. I'm I'm here three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'm here. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays with a guest and Fridays, it's it's me and you. If you want to get in touch with me, it's super easy. Send off your email at gmail.com. I always love to see where you're listening from. Thanks heaps, Sarah, who uh, got dinner done early and has an extra half hour to listen in. There's a cup of tea going on. It looks like Sarah is um, looks like Sarah's sitting on on a under a doona, just with a cup of tea and having a bit of a listen. Bloody good. Glad I can be there with you. That's super duper cool. I got a fantastic uh, email from Ella who's listening in Spain, um, hanging up washing. <laughs> like on my balcony, which just overlooks a church and it's very, very, very Spanish. There's a lot of lot of sandstone, a lot of red roofs and loving listening to the Kerry Sackville episode on solitude. That's a fantastic episode. Thank you so much. And um, I'm so happy that you're, you're having, a, it's a laundry day in Spain. Yeah. I, I listen to podcasts when I'm doing laundry. Why wouldn't you? I love it. Send us your email at gmail.com. That's where you can find me. And uh, I always love to see where it is you're listening. So Mondays and Wednesdays, I've got a guest on this show, but on Fridays, it's it's me just kind of basically having a chat and just checking in with you, I guess, and talking about, you know, what's going on in my brain and, you know, whatever things that I might have learned in my brain that might be helpful to other people. Because certainly when I was very ill, I... Um, needed to hear conversations from other people that had been where I was and where, where I wanted to be. And if there's one thing I learned from when I got very ill and when I was living through moments of, of psychosis, which were indescribably painful and traumatic, the one thing that I learned very quickly is that 
our brains are immensely powerful when it comes to creating a reality. That's essentially what they do. They take input, visual, oral, sensory input, and um, they go, and this is what the world is around you. And this is what it means. It's what our brains do. They make meaning out of things. They look for patterns and they make meaning out of things. We're very good at doing those things. And when my brain was just an untethered fire hose of fear, the amount of negative thoughts, the sheer volume of negative thoughts that I had, you know, the repetitive nature of those negative thoughts created neural pathways that were not just a pathway, it was a fucking bullet train in my brain that went from trigger to terror. Like there was no intercepting it. I could not slow it down. There was no way I could outthink the speed of that thinking. And it was terrifying and it created a loop and it looped back on itself and then created more negativity and more negative thoughts and reinforced those things again and again and again and again. It was really, really, really scary. I need a lot of meds to slow those thoughts down and make enough space within them to do some work around maybe thinking about things differently. It took a while, quite a while, but I was able to start to reframe things, I guess, a bit at a time, a teeny bit at a time. So I would need to reframe those things over and over and over again and slowly, slowly, slowly things did indeed start to change. They started to feel better. It took a while, took a lot of work. It was very scary, painful, but it did it. Um, And things started to change. And it took a lot of work, took some interesting medications, some very clever doctors, but I got there. I'm still on meds, not not a heap, just some garden variety SSRIs and a little ADHD medication, but... My brain runs a whole lot better these days and wonderfully that process of changing my thinking and changing my automatic thought patterns is something that I am still able to do. In fact, if your brain is healthy, you're able to do it too. It takes work, but it is indeed possible and it's quite profoundly powerful. The thing that needed to happen though for it to work is that I had to believe that it could happen. I didn't at first. I couldn't actually conceive of it working because my brain was unable to see it, that it could ever work. But I was in so much pain, I had no choice because I wanted to do anything but feel that terrible every second of the day. So I very deliberately chose to believe in this thing that may as well have been a fairy story, that this thing the doctors were telling me and that they were all these things they were telling me to do and these things, these drugs to take and just to do these things and you will feel better. I chose to believe that, well, maybe they're right. So I'm just going to try what they tell me and I'll just choose to believe that things can change. Even though part of me didn't believe it at all, I had to very deliberately go, well, not believing it is not going to move me from this terribly frightening, dangerous place. I'm going to choose to believe it, even though right now I may as well be believing in God. I don't, I may as well believe in that but it's better than the fear and the horror that I'm feeling. So I did it. I I was willing to do anything, even believing in something that I couldn't imagine could possibly be real. But by believing that things could get better, essentially I was tapping into what is a truly brilliant quality of the human brain. One that was identified in the first century by the Roman poet Virgil. My Latin pronunciation is terrible, so I'm probably going to get this wrong. Possunt kia possevidentur. Possunt kia possevidentur. Translated into more modern English, what it means is they can because they think they can. Vaguely. 
Now, in the first century AD, Virgil, the poet, he was putting into words something that it would take 2,000 years and a very clever Stanford professor by the name of Carol Dweck to prove through some very clever and very tireless research. Basically, it's the concept of a growth mindset. It was a concept pioneered by um, the psychologist at Stanford University, Carol Dweck. And in that landmark research around mindset, Dr. Dweck uh, describes two main ways that people think about intelligence and ability, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Essentially, people with a fixed mindset truly believe that their intelligence or their talents, they are innate and unchangeable. And not always, but sometimes this may unfortunately be tied in with an identity that has been bestowed upon us by someone who was caring for us when we were young. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a teacher, an elder sibling. You're dumb, you're stupid, you don't try, you're going to embarrass yourself. All those things you can tell yourself as well. All right. And you can believe them. And what happens then is that a person with a fixed mindset has this kind of stuff running in the background and unfortunately tends to then avoid challenges and will give up easily when faced with things that are difficult. Uh, But on the other hand, people with a growth mindset truly believe that intelligence and ability can be developed through effort. Uh, repetitive, concentrated effort and learning and that they can get there. They can figure it out. People with the growth mindset, they tend to embrace a challenge. They even tend to seek them out. They view failures as temporary setbacks and they can perceive effort. Even in the face of failure, they can perceive that effort as a pathway and that failure as a pathway to mastery. Now, There were no fMRI machines in the first century in Rome. Uh, So Virgil couldn't do brain scans on people, but thankfully um, there's been some pretty fantastic discoveries in neuroscience and brain plasticity by scanning people's brains. And they've absolutely reinforced the idea and proven that the brain is far more malleable than we once thought it was. Our brains can grow new connections. They can strengthen existing ones and they do it through experiences, through learning and through repetitive, persistent effort. So adapting or having a growth mindset actually is in alignment with the brain's capacity to change and to be adaptable. But where does the thinking that you can or can't come into it? Well, there's actually a really interesting connection between a growth mindset and the really fascinating sciences behind a stress response. So stress, which is uh, most definitely an affliction of of life in 2023 when I'm recording this, stress is essentially, uh, it triggers a, a heightened, I guess, attention to negative things, all right? And too much stress or a permanent state of stress can be very, very unhealthy for you. It's not good to be like that. Here's the really intriguing part. The research that Carol Dweck did suggests that if you embrace a growth mindset, you'll have a significant advantage when facing a stressful situation because a growth mindset enables people to see a challenge as an opportunity for improvement rather than a a challenge is a threat to my status or a threat to my identity. 
simply put, how you feel about getting it right or wrong will amplify your chances of getting it right or wrong. So people in a fixed mindset who see challenge as a, a predictor, I guess, of future failure, when these people experience the stress of not getting something right, I don't know, like say you're trying to kick a hacky sack and you keep missing it, the stress response, oh, I'm a fucking unco, that amplifies you in the direction of not getting it right. Oh, see, I'm unco. And it kind of goes around in a loop. However, on the other side of it, if people have a growth mindset when they're confronted by that stress, they're more likely to redirect that stress response towards positive solutions, towards focusing and, and figuring out how to complete this difficult task. You know, those stress hormones will fuel a, a creative way or a, a help them focus to figure out how to kick that hacky sack, um, to persist more and eventually get it right. And that reframing, I guess, of the thinking is really critical to what you do with the stress because it's how the stress response still happens. It's just what you decide to, what it means changes your outcome and will either make it better or worse. And it's a lot to consider if you've never considered it before, but you have a choice. It might be an automatic choice you're not aware of, but you have a choice. It's freaking amazing. So in, instead of getting overwhelmed by a problem or flattened by a failure, approaching something with a growth mindset really, really helps, you know, I guess, focusing on, on, on learning from the situation, developing a skill to overcome a problem and then shifting away your attention from a negative aspect of, of not getting it right and adopting a more optimistic outlook of like, this is all a part of it. Like there's, you know, there's no learning without failure. We'd all be crawling if we hadn't, you know, fallen over as we walked, learned to walk. Come on. And speak, we spoke of, of parents and, and people who are caring of us when we're younger, but parents and carers and things like that really have a, a huge role in, in shaping how a kid has a mindset. The way you praise a kid or the way you praise a person can either encourage a fixed mindset or a, a growth mindset but in the very way that you praise them. Uh, the simplest way to describe this would be something that I found quite shocking when I read, read about this is that I was quite a smart kid and um, my teachers praised me for being smart. It was the 70s. So when I saw the research around what praise for a kid can do around growth mindset and fixed mindset, I was flabbergasted to discover that as a kid I did what people with a fixed mindset do, because I've been told, I'm smart, I'm smart. What do I want as a kid? I want more praise. What do I do to get more praise? I want to show someone that I'm smart. How do I show someone I'm smart? I only do things that I'll get right. What, do I, what does that mean? It means I don't do things that are challenging. I don't, do, I don't do things that I think I might get wrong. I choose things I know that I'm good at. And eventually, you know, as school got harder, this led to me not ever getting good at learning how to learn. I, I figured it out. Um, but by the time the time came for me to know how to learn, I didn't. I didn't know. I hadn't taken the time to do it because I was too busy trying to chase this you're so smart rather than you work hard, which is the other thing. Like if you praise the effort or, you know, you do it already with your kids, you, I, we do it with Wolfie. You know, good listening, mate, rather than you do what you're told. It's like good listening. The verb, I guess. Good listening, buddy. You really tried hard there, Wolf. You, you know, I loved how you couldn't figure out how to do it. 
But then you went back to, to the start, you took the time, you figured it out and you, and you did it. Well done, mate. You figured it out. You took the time to figure it out. Praising the kid for the effort or the, the work put into it or the, the verb essentially of what it is they're doing, that's the thing that sets people up to seek praise essentially because you want to seek praise as a kid. So you, kids end up seeking praise by putting in the effort or the thing that gets the results rather than only the result. And so whether the result comes away or not, they're going to get the praise. And it's really interesting. In the words of, um, I've spoken about it before, my late manager, John Farrader, only you know how hard you've worked to make your dreams come true, you know. That's it. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting the, the way that a growth mindset affects a kid. We're always talking about how can we get kids to be resilient. It's giving them a growth mindset, understanding that a failure is a stepping stone. And if you want to master something, if you want to get good at something, it's okay. You'll get it. You just need to take the time and understand that getting it wrong is a massive part of getting it right. And just, just keep going. And you can help them even more by adapting a growth mindset yourself, essentially. Modeling the, uh, a positive uh, approach or a positive thinking way. Not positive thinking like as like, oh, my dreams will come true if I just hope they will. No, it's like, modeling a growth mindset essentially for the young people around you or the people that work with you or for you, um, that can really, really help. The science behind that phrase, they can because they think they can, really shows and really is that the way a growth mindset influences a stress response and how a reward pattern influences effort is just incredible, powerful. It's unbelievable. And it's important to acknowledge that your brain's malleable and your intelligence is malleable. Your ability is malleable. You can get better at things. Your brain is built to get better at things through effort. It involves looking at a challenge as an opportunity for growth and you know, looking at a challenge as an opportunity for improvement and that yes, it's stressful, but it's not an insurmountable obstacle. And if you can downregulate and breathe enough, even in a stressful moment, if you can shift your thinking to that, to that kind of growth mindset perspective, you can really reduce the stress of a situation quite a lot and you'll figure stuff out way, way easier. It's crucial to, to promote this sort of thing. It's crucial to show this sort of thing to, to the young people in our lives because our brains are amazing things. No mental state is a permanent state. And that goes for a skill that you're trying to learn or something you want to get good at or an automatic thought, you know, like every time I see a chicken, I'm terrified. It doesn't have to be that way forever. You can change those thoughts. You just need to believe that it'll work and put the work in. You've got to put the work in. If you believe you can change, you can. If you believe that you'll never be able to change, you won't. If you believe that with enough effort, you'll eventually get it right, you'll get it right. If you believe that no matter how much effort you'll put it in, you're never going to get it right, you're never going to fucking get it right. It's truly up to you. I'm not saying you should have unreasonable expectations. Like I'm never going to beat Usain Bolt in a running race, ever. Even with one leg tied to the other leg, he's still going to beat me. All right. <laughs> 
but it's, it's astounding how which direction you put your brain, that's the way it's going to go and it'll reinforce that. And that's up to us. Isn't that amazing? You don't even need a cape. What a superpower. I know what side of the equation I'd rather be on because I've been on the fixed side of things before when I thought things are never going to get better and that is not a fun place to be because it doesn't leave me with very many options. But if I'm on the side of the coin where, okay, how can I get better here or what, what can change? How can I grow out of this? How can things happen for me instead of to me? You get options then, way more options and it's a, it's a far more... It's a far easier way to go through life, I'll tell you that for nothing. So I've done the other one. Um, thanks for listening. I didn't expect this was going to be, you know, 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but it is it's something I want to talk about because um, I'm sure it's very different now at school, but it certainly wasn't spoken to me like that at school. You know, you're, you're a loser. You're always going to be a loser. That was very much a communication when I was a young man. And... Um, if you choose to believe that, it will be true. But you work really hard and you're always going to achieve because you work really hard. That's also, that'll change somebody's life, you know. And I'd, I'd much rather be on the other side because both things are true for anybody, not just me, not just you, everybody. It's all in how we look at it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks for cutting this up, Andy. Andy Ma does audio and video posts on these podcasts. Thanks, buddy. Abby Benno is a producer of this podcast. And um, Toe Hyder does all the music. Thank you for listening. If this episode meant something to you, if this episode was useful to you, if you think someone could find this useful, please find the three little dots in the corner or the little arrow or the little hamburger or whatever it is that you push on your podcast app to share an episode. Please do that. Share it with somebody. It'd be really useful. And it does a lot for us here. Helping people discover the podcast through other people is really, really important. Recommending a podcast is absolutely the greatest way that anyone finds out about this show. So please, if this uh, podcast, you think it could help someone or, uh, you know, someone in your life that could use hearing it, send it over. We'd really appreciate it. And while you've got your phone in your hand, take a picture of what you're looking at. Not while you're driving, but take a picture of what you're looking at. I'd love to see where you're looking. Maybe we'll see more people having cups of tea or doing laundry in beautiful foreign countries. Or with lovely cozy dooners, send Osher email at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.